This January, over 750 OA members gathered in Los Angeles for OA's 50th birthday party. Events included keynote speakers, multiple long-timer panels, workshops, a big book boot camp, and even an appearance by Roseanne S. If you'd like CDs or MP3s of any or all of these sessions, go to oa50th.org and then follow the link to the recordings. That's oa50th, oa50th.org. Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 200 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, David. I'm David, Compulsional Reader. Hi, David. And thank you very much for asking me to share. I, I shared at this meeting a few years ago, and it's really special, and I always think of this as a great way to start a Saturday night, and usually I'm working too late or, you know, it just doesn't work out in plans, but it's really great to be here. I'm going to tell you a little bit about what it used to be like, what happened, and what it's like now, but I think I'm going to start with what it's like now. I usually don't get to it. And the other interesting thing is, I was just sitting here thinking, one, that this is a great service that these meetings are taped, because I've, I just came back this, early this morning from a week vacation, and often, and I didn't do it on this vacation, but often when I'm away on vacation and I'm not going to get to a meeting for more than a week, I've, since I've heard about you know, those podcasts, I've taken, especially last year, we were away three weeks, we went to Israel and London on vacation, and I took a bunch of speakers on my uh, iPod or, or MP3 player, and, and it was like I got meetings while I was away, and it was really, really special, and so I, I'm really grateful for this meeting, grateful for the service that the LA Inter Group does, and glad to be able to share. The other thing that I'm really grateful is that I sandwich Instead of sandwiching with food, I sandwiched with meetings my vacation. We left Sunday, Saturday morning, I went to a meeting, and it was really nice knowing that I would come home and get to go to a meeting the same the evening that I got home. And so uh, it really, it just works in my life to have meetings like that. I'll give you a little bit of history. I started away in June of 1976. So whatever years that is, and I started abstaining in October of 1976. So I currently have, what is that, 33 years of abstinence and 33 and a half years of coming to OA. And my top weight was about 80 pounds or so overweight. I lost in OA about 25, 30 pounds the first year or so of abstinence. I was... I was 15 when I started, so if you think I look really young for somebody who's 70, 80 years old. Now, I started when I was 15 years old, and I was going through puberty at the time, so that's that's where the weight thing. And I've been wearing the same size. I wear a size 34 pants, and I've been wearing the same size pants since I was in my early 20s, and I'm now 48 years old. So this program really works. You know, and, and I was a... a I would have been over a hundred pounder. I was, you know, one of the fattest kids growing up, and, and my weight always up and up and up. And, and to think all these years clothes wear out, but they don't wear out in the 
like they used to wear out in the thighs and you know I outgrow clothes all the time when I was growing up it wasn't that I it was always in the stomach I was outgrowing you know my I have kids and they outgrow lengthwise usually and that's how it normally is that never was my issue it was always in the stomach and the thighs you know wearing pants out it's also interesting something else just sort of when I came to OA all the meetings used to be two hours or almost every meeting was two hours they would start with a leader that would share for 15 minutes or so I forget the time then there would be pitches then there would be a break and then the speaker would speak for an hour and that's how all the meetings were and then afterwards people would go out to fellowship you know we didn't have internet 30 something years ago and TV I mean it was just things were so different and, and we'd go out for fellowship and and it's so interesting it's sort of a, a pleasure to have more than 10 minutes to share my story uh, at this meeting you know and so meetings are different now um, and everybody's life you know what it, it, meetings are different and, and the amount of time at meetings are different but it's so important for me after 33 years I still need to go to meetings you know and, and, and have a commitment and do the things that work for me so let me just because it's easier for me let me go a little bit chronologically and, and tell you my story some of you have heard me before and a lot of you, a lot of you are new faces to me at least but uh, I am somebody who has always been a compulsive overeater and I've always struggled with weight and always struggled with food and I say always I'm saying in the present tense because even though I've been abstaining many many years I don't have it licked I, you know it isn't like I just see food and oh I, I, I'm recovered from it and there may be people who work a better program or their life is different and there, I have glimpses at times where food doesn't matter and that's because of this program but I still you know I'm still a compulsive overeater I still have to uh, remember I have a disease almost every meal and you know the head goes about food so that, but that's been something for me since birth I, I, there was never a time that I didn't love food want to eat food was everything for me I, I don't have any other big addictions you know little I pick up little things I get addicted to but food is my primary food is has always been with me anyway I was a, a chubby kid I thought I was morbidly obese even as a, as a baby but I was just a fat plump child and just kept getting plumper and fatter as I went along. I was an only child the first five years of my life, and and I was I, I had a miserable childhood. I was never a happy kid, and I always thought it was something else, something out there in the world would make me happy. So I never knew it was an inside job, you know. And happiness didn't. Happiness is from my attitude. It took this program to teach me that, and it took life. You know what? I learn a lot in life, not just from OA, but OA gives me the attitude and opens my mind so I can learn from life. I don't know if that makes sense to people, but, but you know, there's things in my life, and I think it's not really OA, but if it wasn't OA, I wouldn't grow through these experiences. So when I tell you about other things, um, it really, everything has to do with OA. Uh, Anyway, but I was always miserable. And, and I would think, like, when I was, you know, before my brother was born, I thought, if I just had siblings, I would be a happier kid. If we just lived in a different neighborhood, you know, when we would move, we moved, and I wasn't happier. My parents had another child, and I wasn't happier. You know, 
I would be summer and I'd be home all the time bored and think as soon as I go to school I'll be happier I you know go to school and couldn't wait until vacation you know it was always this next thing and food though I, I was really bored that was the big thing is this all you know that song is that all there is that was my theme song of life is that all there is I was a very depressed kid nothing made me happy but food filled that hole and I just felt like I was so bored that hole inside me would just, I, I just would die from that hole. But food, and, I, and the way I ate, I always had to have food because it was like an IV drip. I always had to be constantly eating. For me, it wasn't any specific food, and I didn't binge, or else I would have been even heavier. I didn't do like whole half gallons of ice cream. But I'd have to have ice cream, you know, and then have to have a sandwich and have to have this and have to, always having to just constantly be noshing all the time because that just kept it going. It just kept, like the ivy drip, just kept me surviving and it kept me going through life because if I slowed down, I didn't know what would happen. If I just sat with myself, I hated myself. And that's the paradox of it. I hated, I was a very lonely, I, I'm an introverted person. I'm not one that wants to be around a million people all the time. I need my own space, still to this day. That's part of my personality. Uh, new people scare me. So that, that's who I am as a person, I've discovered through, through the program. But before, so I have that personality, but I didn't have any coping mechanism for it. So people scared me to death, new people, uh, social situations, and yet I hated myself. So here's somebody that needed to be alone all the time and yet hated being my own com- I hated my own company, you know, and that was a horrible situation. Uh, it's so different today. But I don't know what I would do without food. I probably would have committed suicide. I was very suicidal. I really did not want to live, and yet I was afraid of death also. Just to talk a little bit about my higher power, God, I didn't, I believed in God as everybody, like this fairy tale old man, God up, up in the sky. I was raised Jewish, uh, but I didn't find very much spirituality in, in synagogue. Uh, my parents forced me to go to Hebrew school and be bar mitzvah and all that stuff, but about the time I was 10 years old, I really, be- I didn't believe in a God. And I really was sure that there was no God and the world was going to end in a nuclear holocaust at any minute. And, and I'd be afraid to sleep. I couldn't sleep. I had horrible insomnia, worrying about the world, you know, constantly. My father was a holocaust survivor and I don't think he put a lot of stuff, a lot of his stuff on me, but it wasn't, it wasn't that. It was, but uh, but I took on, you know, that if my if the world could fall apart for my father and you know his whole family could be killed and stuff like that, the world could fall apart for me. And that was part of what I, you know, part of what I couldn't face that the world would fall apart any minute. Something was going to happen, and and it wasn't. And and that other thing that I picked up on was it wasn't fair that I was living this nice cushy life when when what happened to my dad's family and all the suffering that they had been through. You know, and then food just, you know, again, it just, it pushed those feelings down. Both with my father and my mother, they had issues with food. I mean, my father, you know, had, he had, 
when he escaped from, from a concentration camp and then later were picked up, he had these friends with him and they hadn't eaten. They had been for like months uh, in the, in the uh, mountains, in the snow and stuff, trying to survive and get, get to freedom. And when they finally got re-caught, uh, they were given food and one of, one of his buddies overate and died uh, because they were almost starving and when he ate, he just died. And, my fa- and then my father later went to Israel and there was a lot of hunger there. They didn't have a lot of food. And so I know that part of it picked up this thing about food and hoarding and, and that there won't be enough. And my mother, who was American, but my grandparents, my grandfather lived with us. He was from Russia and they were starving in Russia in the turn of the century when he was a little kid. And my mother was a depression baby. And, and so there was... I, so I think I got it from both of them about not that there wouldn't be this thing on food. And our house looked like the Russian army would come visit us at any time. You could just open the cabinets and there was enough food for a year at all times. There was never bare, never, ever, ever bare cupboards. And I got these mixed messages. My father was not heavy. My mother was. And my mother was a really serious compulsive reader. My father, because of his things, had all kinds of issues. When he did eat, it was sneak eating. He'd eat huge quantities sometimes, but nobody would ever see him. And my mother just killed herself eventually with food, mm-hmm. um, became diabetic and uh, high, high blood pressure and grossly obese and stuff like that. Um, but I get from them, they would tell me about, complain about my weight and tell me what they were going to do to me, you know, for, to make me lose weight. And yet I was getting these mixed messages from them because I'd go to work with my dad and he'd all of a sudden let me eat everything I wanted, take me out, and that was how they showed me love. And like uh, Jewish holidays wasn't about, they would make me say maybe go to synagogue, go to Hebrew school, but they never did anything for Jewish holidays, but it was a big feast. It was all about the food, and that was love. And and when I was 10 years old, I went to Israel. Uh, My dad's, uh, he only had one sister that survived, and she, she lived in Israel, and her oldest son was getting married, and so at 10 years old, I got to go with my dad. And this is just how dysfunctional, or at least to my world, I, I love to travel and all this stuff. Up until 10 years old, I don't remember ever going on a vacation with my family. I don't think they did. Maybe when I was an infant. They never went. And the first trip was to Israel and Europe. I mean, from never going, we didn't even go away for a weekend. And that was only me and my dad and one of his cousins, not even as a family. Anyway, it's a, a side note. Anyway, when I went, my aunt saw this heavy child and thought, you know, good, I'm going to get him fatter because, you know, she, she had lost a sister in her arms of starvation. So, and so she saw, and I remember that was the only time, too, I lost weight because she was trying to force feed me. She was, like, forcing me to eat and food that I hated. I mean, because it wasn't the food I was used to. It was really weird stuff. <laughs> and... and other thing was, at home, I just sat and watched TV all the time. I used to sit in front of the TV and eat all the time. And for the, we had been in Europe for two weeks walking all the time. And in Israel, I was busy walking, doing, and, and stuff. And that was the only time, that was the first time I ever lost weight. And all the first time that, because the food my aunt was trying to force feed me, I didn't like. And so it was, it was, that was the only time. But that also gave me a spark that maybe I would one day not be so fat. That was what really gave me a little glimmer of hope that, you know, and that I could do something. And I came home from that trip wanting to find out about diets and getting this strict diet from my mother. 
but I couldn't do it. I'd try and diet after that point, and I would just, it would be like, a day would be like forever, because it's like a drug addict not having their drug, not having that food in my life, it was just so, again, I would go through this emptiness without the food to fill it. I remember the first day I went on the diet, I went to sleep at like 7 o'clock at night because I couldn't handle not eating. And then waking up and asking my mother if there was some bread or some potato chips, I forget what it was, because I couldn't handle it. In those days, you know, I find these strict diets or hear about them, and if I ate one thing off of it, I would say, okay, I broke it, and then I would eat everything I wanted. And um, an absence for me is not like that anymore. It's not about perfect. It's not about what I'm not eating. It's um, I'll go to that in a few minutes, but it's so different. And my life, everything I'm telling you about, I'm painting the picture about myself, everything is so different today, and that's why I, I painted. When I was 15 years old, my mother had, actually when I was 12 years old, my mother first came to OA, that was in 1973, I guess, took me to a few meetings, and I wanted nothing to do with OA. You know, she was going to a lot of meetings, had all these OA friends, and I just thought, ugh, yuck, 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 yuck. And, and I thought, I won't be like you. One day, I'm not going to be like you compulsive readers, you guys in a way, that have to abstain and never can eat anything and have to go to all these things. I'll just, one day, I'm going to magically wake up willing to lose weight. I'll lose weight. I'll like myself. And again, that will cure me. I won't need what you guys have to do. And it was too scary. Going to, I just went to like three, four meetings with her, but it was too scary. Anyway, in 1976, and that's when I count my time in OA, my mother told me about, she had, was doing really well for about 30 days in OA, and she, there was a convention, and some friend of hers had a son, and her friend had told her about OA, and, and then years before, and then her friend told her about this team meeting in Beverly Hills, and said her son was going to go, what, do I want to go? And that's when I date my time in OA, was just, my mother told me about this team meeting in Beverly Hills. And that was June of 1976. I was about to start high school, and I've been coming ever since. At the beginning, I didn't do anything. I wasn't a member. I'm not even sure when first miracle of this program was when summer was over and I was starting high school and the new TV season came on. I was addicted to TV. I needed that to fill me just like, you know, we didn't have DVRs where you could record things. You had to either you watch it or you missed you know. And I remember... Wednesdays, I wasn't going to keep going to OA because I was going to miss my t- my new TV shows. Mm-hmm. And the miracle is, I to this day, why I kept coming every Wednesday to that meeting and didn't go back to watching my TV. And also, I was starting to binge at the student store. They had these cookies that I really liked. And I just, at that meeting, team meeting, I asked somebody, I asked the leader, who later became my sponsor, how do I not eat those cookies? And he said, why don't you call your food in every day what you're going to eat? And so I date my absence from October of 1976 because that's when I started calling in what I was going to eat. And it wasn't a diet. It wasn't a food plan like I thought I needed to be on if I was going to be in OA. And it wasn't, it was most of the time it was three meals, but I broke up meals. I tasted food in between. It wasn't this what I thought everybody else did for abstinence. But it was, I started calling what I was going to eat, and I started losing weight. And, and I didn't even think, I only wanted to stop gaining weight at that point. That's all I wanted to do. I wanted to stop binging at the student store. And here I'm, you know, 33 years later. The next year, 
we started, there was a meeting at Roxbury Park on Saturday nights, and they put aside an hour before for a team meeting, and nobody came but the same friend uh, of my mother's friend's son and me were the only two going. And so my mother told me about the LA Intergroup, and you could announce your team meeting there. So I went and got, and they drafted me on the LA Intergroup board, and I started doing service. And that's kept me coming all these years. Uh, also, for I wasn't going to be like my mother, and then she also told me about a Monday night meeting that was really big at that time. And so I started going with my mother to this Monday meeting. So all of a sudden, I'm going Monday to this big meeting with my mother, just at first to announce this team meeting. I'm going Wednesday to the original team meeting, and Saturday I'm going to this team meeting that nobody else is coming to, but then I'm staying for an adult meeting. So all of a sudden, from somebody who was not going to join OA, was not going to get active like my mother, I'm going to three meetings, and all of a sudden on the LA Intergroup board. And and again, I'm still, I'm still here. It's that service. The fellowship, starting to, people started loving me. You people started at first loving me. And then I started liking me. And now I love myself today. Don't Not everything's perfect and I still beat myself up. It's not 100%. I'm not recovered, but I'm recovering. And most of the time I like myself. I'm going to speed it up a little bit. Through this program, I was able to, at 18, move out and live on my own and move out of my parents' house that was very, very dysfunctional, had no relationship with them. By the time I moved out at 18, and even being in a way, I just couldn't stand my parents. I had a horrible relationship. With my mother, we fought and screamed all the time at each other. My father, I just didn't talk to because we didn't agree politically or anything. I remember he drove me to an OA meeting a few times before I was driving, and he said, what do you guys do there? And I said, we talk about problems. So he said, well, what are your problems? And I told him something going on at school or something. And he goes, that's a problem? That's not a problem. You don't know what problems are. And that was how my dad dealt with things. And really, in his life, and the wars he had been through, and what he had been through, that really wasn't a problem. I could see it, you know, when my kids tell me problems. But I know, I know not to just dismiss them. But... But he didn't know better. He didn't, you know, he wasn't raised in a normal family. He didn't have that life experience. So basically what it was. But over the years, this program, working the steps, getting a sponsor, writing an inventory, you know, that kept me absent. Giving service kept me absent. The fellowship, you know, when I wanted to just, it would have been easier to eat. When it was too hard to keep showing up to OA, the love that I got from people, how my life turned around. I also want to share how I found a higher power. And that was that with a year later, my whole life had changed. It wasn't that I got from reading a Bible. It wasn't from, you know, sitting in synagogue getting struck. It wasn't going to whatever thing. It was my life changed so much in a year that I knew there was a higher power. And all of a sudden, everything in my life seemed to have a reason. Everything, there was a reason for everything. And I was just one day driving to a meeting and people were talking in the car about how could anybody not believe in God when all of us have changed so much in a way this last year. And I just, I was struck, it was like a light, lightning bolt for me. And you know, sometimes today, 30 whatever years later, I sometimes don't believe that there's a higher power. But this program, I act as if anyway, I pray and meditate every day. I talk to God when I don't believe he's there, you know, and then all of a sudden it comes back. I went through college, five years of college. I didn't have to binge to get through it. I thought I was stupid, and I found out I wasn't so stupid. 
I've been at the same job for 30 years. Uh, and I deal with people. I'm a manager of a bank. And I deal with people. Somebody who was so scared, and this program walked me through the first jobs I had, and I thought I would fail, and people in this program walked me through it. And and I saw I wasn't so stupid, and I could have a job, and today I can have a job where I'm dealing with people, and I like it. That's the other thing. I'm still a quiet person, and, you know, don't like large crowds and whatever, and yet I can be in a business that it's constantly people, and I have to go to a lot of events and stuff, and this program helps me do it, and I don't have to use food to do it. Um, and I'm pretty good at it, you know, and I can say that. I can feel, you know, and it's and it's not about ego. It's about following this program has helped me be good at my job. It's helped me. Uh, I have um, uh, two children. They're twins, and, and my son's autistic, and, and, you know, went through a lot of years um, where I could just go to meetings, and my life was all about me, you know, and, and then... And, and my wife's also a member of this program, and it was pretty easy, you know, not having kids, having a spouse, and, and before we were going out for a long time, having being in a relationship with somebody also in our way was really easy. Like, it's not so easy now. You know, I work a lot of hours with kids, responsibilities, um, can't get to as many meetings sometimes in the mornings. I can't always meditate when when you have kids yelling and screaming, you know, and, and whatever. So I have to work the program differently. And it can be done. It, but it's different. It's different. You know, like I said, sometimes, after all these years, sometimes I stop believing that there's a higher power, and I act as if anyway. And, and, I, and I say the first three steps every morning in my meditation, or if it's in the evening, if I didn't do it in the morning, it's in the evening, before I go to bed. And, and I turn over my work. I, turn, I, I say the three, first three steps besides on food. I say it about my work, about my family. Uh, and whatever else, like on my vacation, I was turning my vacation over because I get compulsive. You know, I want to do everything every day and have the perfect vacation. So I have to remember that I'm powerless over my vacation, that there's higher power, and turn that vacation and what we do and accomplish over to a higher power. I'm going through something at work where everything's changing for next year, where I'm, my job, things are changing. I'm contemplating maybe doing something different next year. And this program gives me the tools to get through these life things um, and, and not having to overeat over it. And another thing is, all of a sudden, I'm back to where I was 30-something years ago, seeing that I've been praying about work and giving me an answer, and God hasn't given me an answer, and that was partly like, maybe there's no higher power. And I'm just deluding myself and wasting my time. And all of a sudden, everything seems to be working out. Everything seems to be falling in place in a way that I could have not seen, and it couldn't happen overnight. Things that are taking years, all of a sudden, stuff seems to be happening. And I, it almost feels like God is hitting me over the head with a two-by-four, saying, just trust me, just trust me. And, and I want to I want to know what the outcome is going to be right now, and right now I can't know the outcome. Which is what life, it's just like, uh, uh, what's happening with me job and career wise, it's just like a, um, a lesson in, like a life lesson in every area of my life. That I just have to turn it over, show up, and know that I can't control it. Same with my kids. You know, I, I, I have to show up, do the footwork, be a good parent. Um, but they have their own lives and their own higher powers, and, and I learn from them. And that's the other thing. Like with my children, I learn from them. They, they're, um, 
they both like food. My son, who's autistic, I don't know if it's sometimes his autism where he gets over, goes crazy on desserts and stuff, and my daughter just likes food, period, and has a weight issue. And I have to turn them over, you know, and I have to, again, be a, a responsible parent and try and get them to exercise and, you know, eat healthy and bring healthy things in, but I can't force it or change it anyway. And what's nice is, like my daughter, she doesn't have the stuff I had in my head. She's a compulsive reader and she loves her food and has whatever issues, but she doesn't have the mind that I had. She likes herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's so strange for me. She has a lot of friends. She, she has, everybody's her friend. And she loves everybody. And that's the thing. She is just, I had a horrible attitude toward life until away. And now, you know, I love life. I, I really do. And I, and I, I want to live forever because there's so much in life. It's, I'm never bored. There's never enough time to do everything I want to do. And, but my daughter's this natural, like, just, she's mostly happy most of the time. Even going into shortly becoming a teenager. And, and I see that attitude's helping her. It's like, lately, it's like if she's not hungry, she's saying, you know, I really don't need that. Or we were in Las Vegas for a few days on our vacation, and we went to buffets, and she just took like a little plate, not that big of a plate. And then, you know, she had dessert, and it wasn't that much. And I just had to bite my lip one to say, you know how much we're paying, why don't you eat more? And there's so all this Because that's what my parents, they, they complain about my weight and then tell me, we're at a buffet, why don't you take more? You know? And I just had to bite my tongue and say, you know, she's taking care of herself. And I can't afford, if I tried to force her, say, you better eat healthy, blah, 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 then she would, of course, take three plates also. You know, and I just have to turn it over and and and, and know that she's got a, a higher power taking taking care of her. What else before I wrap it up? You know, life life yeah, life is good. There, you know, for me, it's what I found is that through this program that you know that there is a higher power and, and it's there's a part of God or whatever it is seems to be inside each of us and that's what I found from you know from this program and um, and, the, and, the, and that's been one of the most important lessons that I've got and, and the lesson is something I know what I want to share is that without that higher power inside that if I had to bottle down what makes this program work you know, people can't stop us from compulsive overeating. Our minds, there's no such thing as willpower. But what I think the steps are all about in this program, if you really boil it down, is that a power greater than ourselves does for us what we couldn't do for ourselves when it comes to food and, and life. And, and that's what I've gotten after all these years. And if that power is a godlike religion tells us, or if it's something that we each have inside, if it, sometimes it is the group, you know, and you all collectively are the power greater than, than me that gives me the support to do what I could never do for myself, you know, and have a life, have a really nice life, difficult life sometimes, but a nice life. And um, and so I'm grateful uh, for all of you being here. I'm grateful, for again, for having this meeting tonight. And thank you all. Just keep coming back because there's a lot of miracles here. We have about five minutes if there's any questions. What is your food plan and absence? What is my food plan and absence? And I was going to talk about that, so thank you for asking. For me, when I first started abstaining or, you know, defining my absence, it was about counting calories. And I knew approximately how many calories I could have a day. And it was about 
eating approximately three meals a day. But it wasn't, a, like I said, if I taste something, if I break up a meal. And still, for my absence is that I don't binge. I don't go on a full-out binge. There's times that I eat a meal too compulsively. I'm, you know, maybe at home standing up eating too compulsively. I can, um, you know, I don't have a problem if I taste food in between a meal or whatever. So my absence isn't like that. It isn't like some people. I eat desserts. I eat, uh, you know, breads and stuff like that. So I don't have a... a I don't have a food, a very defined food plan, but I don't binge, and, and I don't use food like a drug, and and I eat an amount that's healthy for my body, um, and, and it's less and less as I get older. I used to be able to eat out, you know, once or twice a week, and whatever they served me, I could eat the full meal at a restaurant, and that was absence, and I could maintain and even lose weight. And today, if I eat out and eat a full whatever they give me at a restaurant, I'm probably going to start gaining weight. And so it gets narrower, and I have to do that. Part of, for me, my abstinence is taking care of myself. So it means it's not just what I eat, but it's also that I have to call my sponsor once a week, pray, pray and meditate. I go to the gym six I exercise, either go to the gym or do something at home about six days a week, and that's all part of the tools of my absence, i got to say, to take care of myself. Okay, anyway, thank you very much.